If you remember, over the last few weeks, we've been looking at some of the foundations that we're building on here at Church Central South. And through it all, we're asking the simple, very basic question, is this a church that you could belong to? And just to lay my cards on the table right at the outset, more than anything else, what I want to try and help you see in the time that remains today is that you... Yes, you have a crucially important part to play in the life of this church. Now, while preparing this talk, while filtering all the other kind of medical stuff that was uh, online at the moment, I came across some pretty incredible facts about the human body. Don't know if you know this, but apparently, according to Google, uh, our livers perform over 500 different functions. Uh, Our nose can tell which direction a smell comes from, has a a better recall or memory than our eyes. Uh, Our tongues have well over 3,000 taste buds, uh, and our hearts pump about 2,000 gallons of blood every day. Not only that, they beat about 100,000 times a day, which means over the course of our lifetime, that will be in the region of two and a half billion times without us even thinking about it most of the time. Uh, Nerve cells can travel as fast as 120 meters per second. And get this, in a lifetime, an average human being produces 10,000 gallons of saliva. Uh, And does anyone know how many sweat glands the average foot has? Any guesses? For the sake of time, I'm not going to dwell on this too long. 250,000 sweat glands in the average foot. Now, my point in all of this is that the parts of the body that we tend to give the least thought to are actually among the most important. Now, I'm pretty sure that the Apostle Paul didn't have most of that information at his disposal, but pretty much that is the point I think he had in mind when he wrote the passage we're going to be dipping into today. If you have a Bible with you, maybe you could turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Just to explain a bit of the context, Paul is writing this letter to untangle the many moral and theological knots that the church in Corinth had managed to get itself into. And here in chapter 12, he's trying to help them see what the church is supposed to be like. And he does it with reference to the human body. In just 15 verses, he mentions the body a staggering 17 times. Obviously, this was a picture or an illustration, a metaphor he really wanted them to get a hold of. Let's have a read of what he says. Verse 12, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, Some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we've all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Well, let's just pause there for a moment. I don't want any of us to miss this. This is what it means to be the church. We are all of us part of the body absolutely stunning if you get your mind around it. Because of Jesus' work on the cross, we have been made one. We are joined with one another. But that being said, this unity doesn't mean uniformity, that there's tremendous variety 
in the body. It's like we all are different. We, we all have different parts to play. We all are vitally important to the body. In fact, without our contribution, the whole body in some way would be weaker. In God's wisdom, he's given unique gifts for each of us to use for the building up of the whole church. So the implication is, if you don't use these gifts, if you don't play your part, the whole church is going to suffer in some way. And if others in the church don't use their gifts or play their part, then the rest of us are going to suffer. That's the way God's designed it. That's the way he set it up. We are interdependent. We need one another. But Paul here actually takes this a step further. Before unpacking more of what this diversity looks like in practice, he just lobs race and culture into the mix. Verse 13, some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. You see what he's saying here? Do you see what he's doing in that sentence? He's not just talking about the church being made up of people with a whole variety of gifts. He's talking about something much, much wider, something substantially more radical. He's talking about a body of people that is diverse, not only in terms of the gifts they have, but also diverse racially, culturally, and socially. And so as we read on in verses 14 to 27, I want you just to hold that in your mind. I want you to hear these famous verses in context. Because I think we're so used to thinking of them in terms of the variety of spiritual gifts there are in the church, and that's certainly part of what Paul is talking about here, but there's also another lens we need to read these verses through. I think we need to keep race and culture and class in our minds as well. So here we go, verse 14. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. So, the eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that, see, that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together a Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. What do you reckon? Pretty powerful, isn't it? I mean, can you imagine a church where everyone is welcome, whatever their background? A church where everyone is valued, whatever their contribution? A church where everyone is honored, whatever their race? 
a church where everyone is accepted, whatever their age, their gender, their education, their appearance, their marital status, or their social skills. A church where everyone, regardless of background, has a crucial part to play. Well, that is the kind of church that God's after, and for the record, that is the kind of church we are trying to build here today. But that being said, I think there are some common ailments, or dare I say, viruses in the body that can keep this from happening the way it should. And Paul deals with one of these in the first chunk of that passage in verses 14 to 20, uh, and the other one in the second part, verses 21 to 27. Let me just unpack what they are. First of all, first ailment, first virus, is feeling like you don't belong Talking here to anyone who perhaps feels a bit on the fringes, who looks around the room and feels like they don't fit in, those who feel that they don't really have a whole lot to offer, those who look around and think, in all reality, you don't need me here. I don't know, maybe you compare yourself with others and are just left feeling pretty useless And so when I spoke earlier about everyone having a unique gift from God to use for the strengthening of the church, rather than encouraging you, maybe that just left you feel like more of a failure. You not only don't think you don't have anything to contribute anymore, but you now also feel incredibly guilty. That didn't go particularly well, did it? (laughs) Thank you, thank you. See, no one noticed, no one noticed. Uh, You you, you not only uh, don't think you've got nothing to contribute, you also feel guilty for not contributing anything anymore. In fact, perhaps some of you very nearly didn't come today because you felt pretty worthless, like no one would notice if you stayed at home. Or or perhaps you, you feel a bit in the minority here might be because of your skin colour, your accent, your upbringing, your education, or the fact that everyone else looks like they've got it all together and you know in your heart of hearts you haven't. Uh, and so you look around and everyone else appears so different to you. You, you feel like you're the one who sticks out. You, you're the one who doesn't really fit in. You don't need me to tell you it's not a particularly comfortable feeling, is it? Now, That's exactly what Paul is referring to in verses 15 and 16. It's like your foot looking at your hand and saying, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand. Or it's like your ear saying, I'm not part of the body because I am not an eye. I don't know, I'm guessing perhaps that's how some of you feel. Because you are different, you conclude you don't belong That's the ailment Paul's talking about here. That's the first thing that threatens the health of the body. And so having diagnosed this problem, what does Paul prescribe? Well, his remedy is very simple. He's come up with the ultimate vaccine. He injects us with three basic truths. I don't know whether or not you like injections, uh, but if you do, today could be your lucky day. Uh, I'm going to, metaphorically speaking, inject you with three truths. First of all, regardless of how you feel, the truth of the matter is you do belong. You really do belong. That's what Paul says in verse 15. If the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. 
Now, let's be honest, it's a pretty surreal argument, isn't it? But I think it does make the point that just because the foot cannot do what a hand can do doesn't mean that suddenly it has no place in the body. And so you might compare yourself with someone else and conclude that you're pretty useless, but according to Paul here, your conclusion is just plain wrong. You are not useless, you just have a different use. Now, just in case you didn't get the point first time round, Paul comes up with another slightly bizarre scenario. Verse 16, and if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? Now look, if Paul is allowed to repeat himself, then I think that gives me license to repeat myself as well. Uh, And I'm going to because I think it is really important that you grasp this. You may think like you don't belong, You may feel like you don't belong, but it's just not true. You you can argue all you like, but it actually doesn't make any difference. The reality is, you are not useless. You do have a very valuable role to play. This body would be weaker without you. And it's a lie to say that just because you might feel different to everyone else in the room, you don't belong. No, you do belong. That's the first injection of truth. Ready for the second one? Well, it's coming anyway. Here we go. By definition, the body needs to be diverse. Needs to be diverse. Verse 14, the body has many different parts, not just one part. Saw earlier, that's what it means to be a body. It's got to be made up of different parts or there wouldn't be a body in the first place. It's a simple fact, the body would not exist if there wasn't any diversity. Verse 19, how strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. Now, I think there's a a whole lot of repetition going on in this passage because Paul doesn't want anyone to miss the point. I think he knows what people are like. It's very simple, basic teaching, but there is still something in us that struggles to accept this. I don't know, maybe you're sitting there and you're still battling to believe what you're hearing. It's like the feelings of uselessness or not belonging run so incredibly deep. And so, on one level, you can kind of see the logic of what Paul's saying but you're still struggling to believe it applies to you. You feel like you are the exception to the rule here. Your differences are too big. They're just too insurmountable. And so Paul has another go at getting the message home. He gives us a third injection of truth. Here it is. God knows what he's doing. Over and above all of this, God knows what he's doing. Paul continues with the whole body analogy in verse 17. If the whole body were an eye how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? You getting the message yet? Variety is absolutely essential. Without diversity, the body would not function properly. Without you, the church would be ever so slightly more one-dimensional, It would be slightly more dull, slightly more bland. It it, it would lack the variety, the diversity that God intends for the church. 
which is all well and good, but you might be thinking, well, hang on a moment. I didn't actually say I wanted the whole body to be an eye. I mean, Jonathan, you're being slightly extreme for once. I didn't say I wanted the whole body to be an ear. It's just I don't like being what I am. I don't like myself. Now, I just prefer to be something or someone different. That's all. Which I guess is fair enough until you hear what Paul says in verse 18. Our bodies have many parts and who? God has put each part just where he wants it. Let's face it, there can be no arguing with that. The bottom line is God is sovereign. He's the one who's designed all the parts of the body and he, in his sovereign wisdom, knows what is best. He knows the best fit for us. And so if we keep on thinking that we're useless or we don't really belong, we're not only saying no to the whole idea of the body, but worse, we're saying no to God. We're saying that we know better. We don't trust Him. What we want is more important than what He wants. And so Paul's remedy for feeling like you don't belong in the body, well, first of all, it's to say that they're feelings or opinions that don't really stack up, that they're actually out of sync with reality, that the truth according to God is you do belong. And secondly, to think that you should be like others in the body rather than having a unique function of your own, well, that just goes against the whole idea of a body in the first place that by definition has to be made up of many diverse parts. And then thirdly, and perhaps most importantly of all, Resenting the fact that you are different from others in the body is effectively saying you don't trust God. Since verse 18 says God has put each part just where he wants it, if you say you don't belong or you don't really have a part to play, you are making out that God is weak or mistaken or evil and he's not sovereign, he's not wise, he's not good. Really like all issues, in the end, it comes down to a radically God-focused question. Are you willing to trust God on this? Now, you may well beg to differ. We can discuss it in the car park later. (laughs) But I'd humbly suggest you can trust God. So that's the cure for the first ailment, which threatens the health of the church. Very, very quickly... I want to turn our attention to the second ailment, second virus that Paul diagnoses here. Second ailment is feeling self-sufficient. When members of the body feel they don't belong, they say, you don't need me. When they feel self-sufficient, they say, I don't need you. Paul says in verse 21, the eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. I think Paul's warning us here. He's warning us that we need to beware the temptation to feel and think that we're important and we don't need others. On the contrary, Paul says, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary, or as some versions put it, the most indispensable. Truth is that the members of the body which seem to be weaker They aren't necessarily weaker. They just perhaps seem it to you for whatever reason. These parts, these people are indispensable. Not optional, indispensable. Not merely helpful every once in a while, but totally indispensable. 
Not, not maybe, occasionally, sometimes in one particular scenario and needed part of the body, but completely and utterly necessary for its health. We simply cannot do without them. I want you to be honest. Who are the people that you think of as not needing? Don't look at them, don't point at them, and I'm certainly not looking for any audience response. Don't shout out any names right now. (laughs) Who are the people that you reckon to be less important than you? Who are the people that you consider weaker than you? These are the people that Paul says are indispensable to the church. We mustn't miss the warning here. If we're to be the diverse community that I believe God wants us to be, those kinds of attitudes just will not do. Listen, we need to allow God to show us our prejudice, and then we need to repent of it. In other words, we're not merely to feel sorry, we're to turn from it. We'd have nothing more to do with those kind of thoughts. We, we just can't say to others or even secretly think of others, I don't need you. But Paul doesn't stop there. You see, it's not enough just to say this church needs everyone who comes along. And so from now on, I want this church to be made up of a whole load of people different to me. Uh, I want us to reflect the diversity that's found in our city. It sounds good, but that's not enough. Paul goes on to say that thinking it, saying it, even wholeheartedly believing it isn't good enough. Verse 23, the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. And so we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. The truth is, those people who feel like they don't belong, those people who secretly compare themselves with you, and for whatever reason are left feeling like they're useless, they are never going to change their view if all you do is believe that they're welcome. Look, for us as a church, to say we welcome everyone without going out of our way to demonstrate that we do isn't actually at the end of the day going to include any more people. People who feel in the background or on the fringes, whether they're in a racial minority, a woman in a crowd of men, a single person among a bunch of couples, someone who serves quietly unseen behind the scenes, or a first-time visitor walking into a room full of people they don't know, These people need to be given special honor, special treatment, special concern, so that they could never be tempted to conclude that they don't belong. Now, if you think about it, isn't that what Jesus did? Isn't that how Jesus lived? He went to the home of tax collectors He bent down and touched lepers. He spoke with prostitutes. He sat down with people from very different cultures to his own. He refused to take the easy path of just mixing with people like him. 
He persisted with people who weren't easy to engage with. He kept going through the awkward silences. He he didn't give up on people who let him down, even repeatedly. He didn't avoid people who were deeply suspicious of him. He wasn't so locked into his busy schedule. I mean, he was out to save the world. I mean, if anyone was going to be busy, it was him. He wasn't so locked into that that he couldn't be flexible and drop in on people unannounced. He wasn't concerned about what other people might think of him. It's pretty amazing when you think about it, isn't it? He overcame every kind of social, racial, and cultural prejudice. And here's the thing. He calls us to do the same. You see, the church is a body, and we are his body, which means we're to look like him, think like him, act like him. Just to make this real, why don't you just take a moment to think of the people in your social group, perhaps the people you've been out with recently, the people who have been round to your home in the last month or two, perhaps the people you've chatted to after the meeting here over the last month or so, are they all of the same colour, the same culture, the same background, the same stage of life? I've got to ask myself, am I inadvertently encouraging segregation in the church and justifying it with my preferences, my comfort, and my ease? Or am I building bridges to others who are vastly different from me? I tell you, these are the questions I think all of us have got to ask, and regularly. Paul says we're to treat those who might naturally conclude they are excluded or they don't belong or they're not needed, we're to treat them with special honour, special care, special dignity. And it's challenging, isn't it? And I think it's a challenge we must all feel. You see, this really isn't a take-it-or-leave-it kind of message. Now, this is deadly serious. I mean, if at the end of the day, God's not really all that bothered about displaying his infinite perfections in and through the church, then this isn't that big a deal. It is take it or leave it. But if God's plan is to create and form a people who are his primary vehicle for shining his glory here on earth, then this is of infinite importance which is why I'm going to press on you here. If you accept what Paul teaches here in 1 Corinthians, then it has massive implications for each and every one of us. Think about it. If God has uniquely gifted and wired you, and if God's purpose in giving you those gifts, regardless of how small or how large they are, is for the building up of his body, the church, And if God's design in all of this is for you to find joy and for him to be glorified, then what happens when you come along here and you don't plug in? I'll tell you what happens. You end up missing the point completely. And in the process, you rob yourself of the joy of using the gifts that God has given you for the building up of the church. You you, you rob the church of the unique contribution that God has given you for our benefit. 
and you rob God of glory. Now look, my, my heart isn't to condemn anyone. I'm not trying to layer guilt on anyone here. I'm certainly not wanting to drive any of you away. In fact, quite the opposite. More, more than anything else, I am hoping and praying today that you see God's design for the church that finally the penny would drop for you. You'd be inspired to play your own unique part in the healthy functioning of the body. And so before I finish, I want to try and make this even more practical. Hopefully, God's been challenging you. Hopefully, in some way, you want to do something about this. The question is, where do you start? How should you go about applying this message? How, how do you work out where you fit? I, I don't know, maybe you think, I, I, I just don't know what my gifts are. I have no idea how to go about playing my part here. Here's how you figure out your gifts. Figuring out your gifts is a community project. We discover, we find out our gifts by doing life together. Because when we're doing life together, we can spot things and say to one another, hey, do you realize you're really good at this? You know, I think we need to do a little bit more of that. I think we need to be a little bit quicker to encourage one another. I want to encourage you to encourage others, to call out the gifts that you see in other people. Or maybe, uh, as you interact with people, you'll, you'll find yourself going, well, I, I'm getting this strong impression that, that, that maybe God's wanting me f to pray for you this way. And then you stand back and watch it turn out as you felt God show you, and you're going, maybe God is building into me a little bit of the gift of prophecy. Or you pray and someone gets well. Well, maybe I might have a developing gift of healing. <laughs> you see, in doing life together, we can encourage one another and we can figure out our gifts more easily. But where we're not in community with others, I think we're forced to proclaim our gifts based on nothing but our own intuition or our own personal opinion. It's like the more isolated we are and the more we simply attend but don't belong, the more difficult, if not impossible, it is for us to see where we're gifted and the harder it is for us to use our gifts as God intended for the building up of the body of Christ. Now, just to illustrate my point, when you walked in, you should have been given a piece of a jigsaw puzzle. You may have forgotten or you may have been sitting there not listening to me because you're wondering, when is Jonathan going to refer to that piece of the jigsaw puzzle? I wonder what that was all about. I want you to get it out, hold it in your hand, have a good look of it. If, if you haven't got a piece, um, borrow the piece from the person next to you, share. It's, it, it's all good. Look at the picture. Any idea what the big picture of the puzzle is? Any ideas? A stained glass window, something from Christmas, definitely animals, a shop, a picture of a church, Noah's Ark. Uh, it would be cunning if it was a picture that included all of that. Uh, I'm going to hold my counsel. I know what the picture is, but you don't. Uh, to see it and to know it, 
you need all of the other pieces. Uh, and sadly, I haven't given you all the pieces of the puzzle, so you can't get together later and, and work it out. Um, it's a 500-piece puzzle, and it's, I'm going to be going to the other church, central churches with bits of the puzzle as well. So get together with them, and maybe at the Catalyst Festival, we could do the puzzle together or something. I don't know. But really, to, to, to see the picture, you need all the other pieces. Some are corner pieces, some go around the edge, some fit on the inside, uh, some are brightly colored, uh, some are varying shades of gray, but they are all equally essential to completing the whole picture. You know, that is what it's like in this community that God is putting together here. We're all part of it. Each piece is essential There is no peace that is expendable or dispensable. God's plan is for us to be linked as one and we need one another. Now, how irritating it is to do a jigsaw puzzle and there's a missing piece. Get to the end. Oh, there's a piece missing. Make sure that piece isn't you. Now, look, over the last 35 minutes or so, I've tried my best, I've tried my hardest to paint a picture for you of what this looks like. So I draw to a close. I simply want you now to play your part. I want you to resolve today to add your piece to the puzzle so the world out there can see a picture of the church as God intends it to be. So my parting question to you is this. Will you commit to the church? Will you, will you give yourself for the building of the kind of church that God has designed us to be? Will, will you use your gifts to strengthen us Will you open yourself to benefit from the encouragement and the gifting of others?